broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. very cerebral um you know and like i said not taking anything away from the other guys that i play with but he has the ability to kind of be the oc or the the coach on the field and i mean obviously that's what you look for a quarterback in general but with him being the longest tenured raider um with him having the kind of connection that he has with gruden um it's kind of crazy it's almost like when we're in meetings um you know Literally any question that Gruden asks him, it's you know it comes it's it's like second nature to him. Uh, he just has the ability to kind of spit off you know anything that you know Gruden wants him to do, and uh, he's always Gruden's always really touting about how you know if there's something that you know a, a look that's on the field, uh, he gives Carr the option two three plays deep within the play to get to the best play that, you know, that was going to give us success. And I feel like um, from looking at the film from last year and kind of getting a better idea of how the offense is rolling, um, obviously with me being in this uh, OTAs, I mean, kind of getting a better uh, handle on the playbook. Uh, looking, Going back and looking at the film, I was like, I see how some of these plays, you know, may not be the best look for the specific play that you first called. But you, he has a, a great feel for getting to the play that the offense needs to be successful. And um, like I said, adding me a couple more weapons of uh, and Willie Snead, John Brown. Um, I just feel like this offense, like I said, is uh, definitely destined for great things. That's new Raider running back Kenyon Drake, and he's talking about none other than Derek Carr, his new quarterback uh, here with the Raiders. A uh, very uh, cerebral answer uh, today uh, over on Sirius XM NFL Radio with our friends Bruce Murray and Kirk Morrison, Kirk Morrison, the former Raider, uh, and Kenyon talking about Derek Carr, his understanding of this offense, uh, the complete understanding, the complete command that Derek Carr uh, has of this Raiders offense now going into year four under John Gruden. Time flies, doesn't it? Year four for John Gruden and Derek Carr together. And who would have predicted that four years ago when John Gruden arrived back on the scene with the Raiders and everybody from the national pundits to everybody else just kind of assumed that, well, those uh, there goes Derek Carr because John Gruden obviously is going to come in here, uh, take over, and immediately find his quarterback. Remember, that's always been the M.O., on John Gruden. He likes veteran quarterbacks. He likes his guy. Derek Carr wasn't his guy. Um, so eventually, probably sooner rather than later, Derek Carr was going to get shown the door in favor of John Gruden's guy. Well, four years later, the Raiders roster has undergone almost a complete overhaul. The almost being number four, Derek Carr. He has survived uh, the purge. He has re- uh, survived the overhaul uh, of this roster and coming off two of his best years of his career last year uh, by most statistical measurements was a top 10 quarterback overseeing a top 10 offense in the NFL. 
the guy that everybody thought was going to be shown the door first or among the first to be shown the door when John Gruden took over is still here, still kicking, still doing really well, still improving. And if you listen to Kenyon Drake talk about Derek Carr, the understanding that he has of this offense as almost a coach on the field now at this point, and I've talked about this, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imbahudor. Welcome back. Uh, we were uh, we uh, did not broadcast on Friday or Monday uh, with the holiday, uh, the long weekend. Hopefully, everybody had a great Fourth of July weekend, a safe Fourth uh, of July weekend, and we're hitting the ground running uh, on Tuesday. A hot Tuesday it is here in Las Vegas. The heat is back; it doesn't ever really leave. But there's some days that are just a lot hotter than others, and today is one of those days. Uh, but we're all good. We're in the beautiful comfortable um, studio here at Raiders headquarters in Henderson. We'll be here for the next couple of hours. We want your thoughts. We want your calls because it was almost poignant that Kenyon Drake was on uh, Sirius uh, XM NFL radio today uh, talking about, among other things, Derek Carr. Because as I woke up this morning, I woke up to a a bunch of text messages. Apparently there was a report out there um, that the Raiders and Derek Carr are imminently about to commence talks on a new contract uh, extension. Obviously, that got my attention. I try to check in periodically on all that type of stuff with the sources, uh, you know, that I have and people that I know. And, you know, it's Derek Carr. It's the quarterback of the franchise. It's the most important position on the field. He's got two two years left on his contract um, for a total of about $42 million, which is a uh, good thing if you're the Raiders because that's under market value for quarterbacks these days. I think I I looked at it, uh, and as of right now, he's the 14th highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and that's about to change because a guy by the name of Baker Mayfield, a guy by the name of Lamar Jackson, a guy by the name of Josh Allen. Remember that 2018 draft class and all the great quarterbacks that came out of it? Yeah, they're getting ready to get paid. <laughs> All three of those players have played themselves uh, into contract uh, extensions. I think uh, when it comes to Josh Allen and it comes to Lamar Jackson, uh, they've probably played their way into better positions than Baker Mayfield. Nothing against Baker Mayfield. I just think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have been better quarterbacks uh, than Baker. But Baker has another season, perhaps, uh, to show why he belongs in, in, in that category, in that company, when it comes to the paydays uh, that, that all three of those players are going to get. And it's going to change the dynamics of the quarterback market. It always does. The next guy up changes it for the next guy behind him. And here's Derek Carr with two years left on his contract. And for the Raiders, it's a favorable deal. We all know, working in a salary cap situation, as teams do in the NFL, if you can get your quarterback at market value or below, it just helps everything else in terms of building your roster. So Derek Carr at $42 million will cut, you know, I think it's $22 million this year, $19 million next year. So we'll just say 21, 21 over the next couple of years, $42 million. That's not a bad deal for the Raiders. It allows them, especially with a salary cap that's going to jump to, I think it was $208 million was the last I saw for the projections for next year. Quite a nice jump from this year. 
they're going to be in a really good position as of right now. And yes, there's a bunch of players that they have on one-year contracts, and so they're going to have to get that figured out uh, between now and 2022. And you know, some guys will make it, some guys will survive to another deal, some guys will get kicked to the curb, and they'll bring other players in. But at the long and short of it is, the Raiders, as of right now, are projected to have about $52 million under the salary cap. That's with their quarterback under contract. That's not a bad position to be in. Considering the talent that they have here, um, the improvements of this roster that they've made, they're in a pretty good position right now with their quarterback being paid at that level. However, and we want your thoughts on this, 702-365-9200, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. If you're the Raiders, and first of all, let me just say that uh, based on my little detective work that I did today after hearing about this talks um, are about ready to commence, you know, with the Raiders and and Derek Carr, I can safely say uh, the sense that I get, that I've gotten, is that uh, nothing substantial is happening right now on that front, and nothing is substantial is is really on the immediate horizon. They can change, of course. Uh, these things tend to have take lives of their own, and at any given moment, somebody could pick up a phone, and all of a sudden you know, you're halfway home to making a deal or not. My point is I wouldn't read too much into some of the reports that uh, have come out these last couple of days based on, you know, what I know, uh, for lack of a better term, nothing substantial is going on uh, along that end. And when you start analyzing this situation, there's all sorts of reasons for and against doing a contract extension anytime soon. And I'm talking from the team's perspective, the Raiders' perspective, and Derek Carr's perspective as well. If you're the Raiders, you've got a, I'd say, an upper echelon quarterback, right? I mean, come on. Uh, He played within the top 10 of of NFL quarterbacks uh, uh, last year. An improvement on the previous year. It's funny how that works when you put better talent around guys that can actually play. Their level of play goes up. So Derek Carr, with a better roster last year, especially offensively, played really well. He played as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and he had good talent around him. That talent, I believe, has a chance to be even better this year than it was last year. Now, some of that is predicated on... Henry Ruggs taking a big step forward and Brian Edwards taking a big step forward. We just heard Kenyon Drake, his contributions to the cause, what he's going to bring to the table. A rebuilt offensive line, I know, no doubt about it, losing Rodney Hudson or trading Rodney Hudson and trading Gabe Jackson. It's, that's a hit. You, you can't assume that the players that replace those two players are going to be as good, if not better, Right. You can't assume that. However, one thing that I think the Raiders' offensive line might have going for it better than it did last year was availability. Remember, Richie Incognito played two games last year. Trent Brown played four games last year. So when you're starting to talk about Alex Leatherwood replacing Trent Brown, he's not really replacing Trent Brown. He's replacing Sam Young. Trent Brown was barely out there. So if you look at it from that perspective, Alex Leatherwood – looks like to be a better player than Sam Young. I mean, I don't think that we're saying anything crazy uh, making that statement. And if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, that's an upgrade from last year at right tackle. Richie Incognito comes back at right, or excuse me, left guard. 
Um, and I think that he brings a lot to the table. If he can stay healthy, that's an upgrade because Richie Incognito wasn't out there last year. The big question is, Andre James, what is he going to be able to deliver as a first-year starter at center? And who wins that right uh, guard spot, John Simpson or Denzel Good? Uh, and collectively, can this unit be better than it was last year? I think we get a little bit tricked into thinking that offensive line was great last year. It was okay, and it was okay only because there were a lot of injuries and there was a lot of shuffling going on. So I think the Raiders are counting on younger legs, being able to provide more a more durable offensive line and a more available offensive line. Point being, this offense has a chance to be better. And with Derek Carr already showing that he could be a better quarterback with better talent around him, I think there's another level that Derek Carr can get to as an NFL quarterback. I think he's actually on the rise. Crazy to think, 29 years old, 30 years old. But it happens. He's starting to get into that age and that physical area where you're starting to talk about mind and physical just being so in line. And let's not forget that after years of turmoil, after years of turnover, after years of going through new head coaches and different offensive coordinators and different philosophies and and ever-changing roster, Derek Carr has had the most stability of his career these last three years, and now going into a fourth year with the same head coach, John Gruden, the same offensive coordinator, the same system. They're not just it's, – it's beyond the point of installing at this point for, uh, for, for Derek Carr and John Gruden. Yes, obviously, there's always going to be new players that are written in. But the base foundation of this offense, they are so far beyond installing this. They're perfecting this. They're adding to it. They're digging into layers of this offense that you don't get to unless you're able to get to it. And that takes time. You just heard Kenyon Drake talking about watching. And Kenyon Drake, how smart is that dude, right? You can, it, his, his intelligence oozes out of him. This is a, a really cerebral, smart player. And just looking at film and being in on meetings, he can tell. He knows what he's hearing and what he's seeing. He's hearing the dialogue between John Gruden and uh, Derek Carr and seeing that, that those two guys being on an intelligence level together as a quarterback and, and head coach, which you have to have. He's noticed that. He's been around. Kenyon Drake's been around. And then he talks about, you know, watching the film of last year and seeing, you know, all the options that John Gruden gives Derek Carr. Remember what he talked about? There's the play and then there's two or three other plays underneath that call that he has an option to go to if the defense isn't in the look that they were expecting and if, if it's a different look than, than what was anticipated, you go here, here, or there. Not every quarterback has the capability or confidence, for that matter, to make that call at the line of scrimmage when the bullets are flying. But Derek Carr is at a point in his career now where he has that mastery of the offense. I talk about this all the time. Last year, for the ter- first time in my career covering the NFL, 
you could hear everything that was going on. When you're in the outdoor type press boxes, press box, and that's the case at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, some are enclosed. You've seen those, you know, where they're we're, we're basically walled off or windowed off uh, from the field, and so it's soundproof. You can't really hear much from the fans, or let alone what's happening on the field. There's other press boxes, many of them, including Allegiant Stadium, where it's open. So, you know, when when there's a crowd there, you're hearing the crowd primi- primarily. But as was the case last year, when there's no crowd, you could hear everything that's going on in the field. And you could hear Derek Carr making his play changes at the line of scrimmage. It was kind of a cool to see, actually. And it told you and it indicated to you the command that he has of this offense. So when you start combining his mastery of this offense, how um, deep he is into this offense now, the confidence that he has in his knowledge, which is just as important as the knowledge itself. You know, you can know it, but if you don't know you know it, it's useless. When you know it and you know you know it and you know that you can make the right call and the, and the right, you know, switch out of that play to that play. When you have that confidence, what have we talked about all, all along? The Raiders' defense didn't have that, that, that command, that confidence, did they? They played like it last year. They played dysfunctional. They played tentative. They played unsure. A telltale sign that guys just didn't, weren't getting it off, uh, defensively. And there's a lot of reasons we won't get into them right now. On the other hand, Derek Carr, with his understanding of this offense, like the back of his hand, has the utmost confidence in what he's doing. And that showed um, in, in how he was able to navigate the play calls at the line of scrimmage. When you can get to a point where you're seeing it at the offensive line and you're managing it at the offensive line, that's a whole other level. I remember talking to Greg Williams, a defensive coordinator, uh, for the Rams uh, back in the day, and also um, Bum Phil- or uh, Wade Phillips, talking about having to defend teams that have a quarterback and, an o- and a head coach or offensive coordinator, but in, in, in the Raiders' case and Drew Brees and the Saints, those type of, those type of uh, relationships, uh, Sean Payton and, 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 and Drew Brees, you're not just – what, what, what Williams and, and Wade Phillips would tell me is like, you're not just defending Sean Payton's offense. And you're not just defending the ability of Drew Brees to execute it. You're literally having to defend what Sean Payton's going to call and then what the quarterback is going to call at the line of scrimmage. And it makes things incredibly difficult. Because whatever you're trying to do defensively, somebody like Drew Brees has seen it a million times. And then his understanding and confidence in his offense allows him to be able to make you pay for the decision that you made. And then he's able to scramble you. But it also is predicated on Sean Payton having the confidence in Drew Brees to give him that rope, to give him that leeway. Can we sit here and say that John Gruden gave Derek Carr all that leeway from the get-go? I don't think so. Why would he? He had to see it first. He had to get to that point. Well, he's gotten to that point. And so when you start talking about 
the fact that Derek Carr can actually get better, now you start talking about, okay, is it worth the Raiders at this point extending his contract and getting him under contract through 32 to 35 maybe, 32 to 34? He's 30 now, so four more years, maybe five more years from this point. Or do you wait? Just let it play out. And if you're Derek Carr, what are you thinking when you see the salary cap increasing the way it will next year and you see the fact that Lamar Jackson and some guys from 2018 are going to start getting their contract extensions, which is going to change the entire dynamic. I'm not saying that Derek Carr is going to get paid like Lamar Jackson, but if Lamar Jackson puts it way out there and Josh Allen puts it way out there, that just makes Derek Carr's wherever he's going to be, he's going to be moving up a few yards. Trust me on that one. So does he wait? Does he decide, you know what? I'm going to hold off and let the market reestablish itself before I sit down and talk or I think about doing a contract. There's all sorts of ways to look at this. And it makes sense for a lot of different reasons to do it or not do it. That's the crazy thing about where Derek Carr stands with the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bacher. Give us a call, 702-365-9200. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, just a quick couple of reminders. Uh, don't forget tonight over at the South Point uh, Hotel and Casino, Chefs for Kids Poker Tournament is back thanks to our friends at Bajador Tequila. Uh, and Demon Run, uh, they are uh, putting together the Chefs for Kids Poker Tournament. South Point Hotel starts at 6.30. Uh, you probably want to get by, uh, get out there about 10 minutes early, um, and then the cards will start fly, uh, flying. Great food, great atmosphere, great drinks with Embajador Tequila uh, and Demon uh, Rum, and plus a bunch of prizes, and it all goes to a great cause, uh, feeding kids that, that really need it. Um, the Chefs for Kids Poker Tournament tonight at the South Point Hotel, 6.30. Remember, it's the first Tuesday of every month. Today is the first Tuesday of July. Go have some fun at the South Point um, Hotel. Also, just want to let you guys know that Salude Mexican Bistro and Tequileria over at 8125 West Sahara Avenue here in Las Vegas. Latin Party Brunch every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Live music, dancing, great food, and drinks. This week, they are featuring Latin percussion sounds by Las Vegas' own Steve Weiss from Zumanity, Recycled Percussion and Broadway's Stomp. So, Salud Mexican uh, Bistro and Tequileria. Sunday, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., a live Latin party brunch. And, of course, Embajador Tequila and Demon Rum are all over that. Just want to let you guys know that. Uh, thanks to our friends over at um, Embajador Tequila and Demon Rum for doing some good things for the community. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. John is in New York, and he wants to talk about Derek Carr. What's going on, John? How are you? Thanks for having me on. You got it, brother. So uh, I've been a big defender of Carr. And, uh, you know, it sort of had its ups and downs with his play at times and with the results at times. And we've been, you know, I've been sort of waiting for him to turn it around. I I think the major problem is, in the meantime, the quarterback position has completely exploded 
And now we're looking at Herbert and Mahomes in the division. And, and you know, the question is, can Derek Carr play with those guys on another, you know, for another five years? I hear what you're saying, um, you know, but the way I look at it, he's not necessarily playing those two guys. That's the defense's responsibility to slow those guys down enough to give Derek Carr and the offense the ball uh, to do their thing. Derek Carr was more than respectable against uh, Patrick Mahomes last year in both games uh, that the Raiders played the Chiefs and against Justin Herbert uh, in the one game that he played against him in Los Angeles. Remember, he was hurt. Uh, he got hurt early in the game here in Las Vegas. So, um, yeah, obviously the quarterback position has, you know, um, it just it, there's new guys coming in all the time and taking the, that, that quarterback position to another level. Here's the issue that I would have if I'm a Raider fan uh, or the Raiders are there better quarterbacks than Derek Carr? Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I'd say he's probably 10th, 11th, maybe 12th best uh, in the NFL. You can, you can play with the order all you want, but he's, he slots in and around right there. Getting one of the quarterbacks that's better than he is, I just, how do you do that? You know, what are you going to give up? Are they even uh, available? They don't grow on trees. The only other option, aside from, you know, if Deshaun Watson got everything cleared up and was, you know, um, okayed basically to, to be okay to play for the next X amount of years and he still wants out of Houston, I think any team, if everything got cleared up and we don't know what that situation is, there's a lot of uncertainty there, then I think any team, including the Raiders, has to look into that. He's that good of a quarterback. But there's off-field issues right now. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, that's an upgrade. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But we don't know what the situation is right now with the Green Bay Packers. We don't know if he's truly available. If he is, then any team, including the Raiders, needs to look at that. But between those two players and then anyone else that slots behind them before you get to Derek Carr, it's dubious that you're going to it's dubious that you're going to be able to have access to anybody uh, uh, above Derek Carr right now. The question is, do you just tear it up and start anew with the, with somebody coming out of, of college? And to do that, you almost have to either trade up um, or be so bad that you're going to have one of the top picks to go get one of the top quarterbacks. But even that, there's some uncertainty. We've seen plenty of top five quarterbacks, top six quarterbacks, not last very long in the NFL. So you're taking a chance if you blow it up as well. You know what you have in Derek Carr. And the question is, do you think that that's enough to get you where you want to go to when you put a good quality football team around him? I think this year we're going to find out. I think this is the most balanced team that he's going to have, that he's had since he's been here. We'll see where he can uh, take this team. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line to welcome in my good friend, uh, Sam Gordon. He's my teammate over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, does tremendous job covering everything uh, that he covers, and uh, uh, that, that, that covers everything from the Raiders uh, to the Las Vegas Aces, who are just steamrolling people right now, uh, to Team USA Basketball. Uh, they're out here practicing in Las Vegas right now. Uh, there's boxing mass matches. There's, uh, you know, uh, UFC fights. There's everything, and Sam's always on top of it. Sam, first of all, thanks for carving out some time. I know it's been a busy time for you. How are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Vinny. Doing good. Anytime I get to talk to you twice in one day is a, is a blessing. So 
happy to be on and uh, always always down to make time for you. Hey, quick question for you as as it relates to Team USA. Are there? Pl- I'm assuming there's players on the Suns and 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 Bucks, right, that are going to be part of this, or, or uh, did did none of those guys uh, make the team? No, you're spot on. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton are all part of the Olympic roster, and and you know this is something Team USA knew they were going to you know run up against, right? I mean, just with with the way the roster was constructed, where you have some players opting out because of injuries, some players opting out because of scheduling conflicts, uh, some players you know just not prioritizing USA basketball the way they once did. Um, USA basketball had to dig a little deeper, and uh, and as a result, you have you have three guys who are playing who've had fantastic postseasons that are going to be playing in the NBA Finals. And the NBA Finals could go as late as July 22nd. That means those guys would be on the plane, you know, the next day, or right, probably right after the game, in order to make uh, Team USA's first uh, first Olympic game uh, July 25th. But, you know, the, the, the American team was, American national team was prepared for that. And Coach Pop called up a few guys from the select team today, or, or uh, not necessarily select team, but they, they brought in three, there were three veterans. Uh, he was he was pretty vague in his media availability about about who they were. I think there's three or four guys that that stepped in and uh, you know replaced those three uh, at practice today, and it's, it's, that's probably what's going to be for the for the rest of the camp here in Vegas. So uh, it just kind of speaks to the, the the weird nature of of the, the, the pandemic and how that affected everything. But no doubt about it, even without those three, uh, Team USA is still pretty stacked with Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal. Jason Tatum, so on and so forth. They got a big time roster. Well, and I would expect them to go get the gold again. Yeah, and I would imagine that if you tell a coach as good as Greg Popovich, oh, by the way, you're going to have to make room for Devin Booker at some point. I'm <laughs> sure he's. Gonna, I'm sure he's going to be okay uh, with that. My question would be, and we're going to get to the Raiders obviously here in a second. But my question would be, where's the fine line um, in terms of pushing a Devin uh, Booker, or for that matter, Drew or or, or Chris? In terms of, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a physically taxing deal right now. Uh, and I think we've seen a bunch of players, obviously, that have broken down, especially guys that, that played a lot last year um, and, then, and then had to come back on the quick turnaround. So any consideration to their well-being, for, the, for crying out loud, if they have to wait until, you know, July 22nd or 23rd to hop on a plane and, and, and meet this team, I mean, I, I would think that some kind of common sense would, would, would prevail, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And this team is plenty deep, especially in some of those preliminary games, you know, before you get into the, the tournament play to, to afford, you know, maybe reducing those guys' minutes or letting them or allowing them the ample time necessary to, to adjust, not only to a brand new time zone and all that, but to, to, you know, to rest up after what promises to be, regardless of how many games there are, what promises to be a physically taxing finals. I think it was Paul Pierce who said that, you know, seven game series in the finals is equivalent to like 20 regular season games just because of how physical and how, you know, how intense every minute of that is. And you can bet that in the international competition is going to be the exact same way, right? This is uh, these players, all the teams from around the country have been waiting a really, really long time to compete for this, this gold medal uh, out there in Tokyo. So yeah, I would imagine there's definitely some, there's definitely going to be some room for those guys to, to at least get their sea legs uh, back under them after the finals and, 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 and get in with, get with the program um, and have time to adjust. So, even without those three, you know, there's there's still nine big time players that 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 are, are ready to contribute, and, and those three are all I imagine going to be key contributors, or else they wouldn't be on the team. So uh, it's it's a fine line, like you said, but but you know everybody knew what they signed up for uh, in terms of USA basketball, and it's a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for for a lot of players, or maybe twice in a lifetime, and uh, that I think that opportunity for those three in particular um, is going to mean a lot, and they're going to figure out a way to make it happen. 
I'm glad you mentioned what Paul Pierce said about the, how taxing it is playing a seven-game series. Uh, you know, following games sometimes on Twitter, especially those game sevens, and people are talking about this is bad basketball. I'm like, you don't, you have no clue what you're talking about because yeah. a the other guy knows exactly what he knows what you're doing that you know you you're doing and his what you, you know everything that they're doing. You could pretty much at that point call the other team's plays out. It is a test of wills like no other when you get to that seventh game. And on top of the, the just the knowledge fact and, and how teams take deep dives on their scouting and tendencies and plays and understanding what you're doing, then you throw in the fact that it's been back and forth and back and forth on the travel uh, and, and the games, uh, the quick turnarounds. Uh, you're dog-tired by that point. It's not bad basketball. It's survival of the fittest at that point. I just wish fans understood that a little bit better. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And especially especially a year like this year, too, if anywhere – it's the season is condensed. You, you play seventy two games over over the course of you know four plus months as opposed to eighty two over six months. Uh, like you said, the travel, the, the physicality, the way that the, you know the way the game is played now, how much ground you have to cover defensively, guarding these spread pick and rolls, and the, the volume is a lot. It's it's a lot, and, and USA basketball obviously a lot on top of that, which is why you've seen so many guys opting out. But I, I'm with you one hundred percent, right? Like I don't expect by the time we get to a sixth or seventh game, you know, like that uh, that Bucks. Nets game a couple weeks ago. You don't. I don't expect the ball to be pinging and for everything to be super crisp. I mean, like you said, the scouting, the game planning. Nope. There's no surprises. Nobody's throwing any counter punches at anybody at that point. They all know what's coming, how to defend it, how to stop it, and it's really a test, a test of wills at that point. So, anytime from a fan's perspective, I mean, anytime we get a seven game series, I think we're we're lucky, we're cherished. We have to cherish those. That's the, those are the best, some of the best uh, moments in sports history have come in, in game seven. So. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not as high quote unquote quality of play, but that's that's because the stakes are so high. And give me that any day of the week over a you know a beautifully played game in the middle of March. By the way, the referees at that point have said, "I've done what I can. It's on you guys <laughs> to decide this now." And I'm just going to take a step back here for a little while and let you guys take care of this, which uh, that it, that could get pretty fun and crazy uh, as well. All right, Sam. So enough about basketball. We could talk hours upon hours about hoops. You know that. Uh, but we're talking about the Raiders. We're talking about Derek Carr. We're talking about um, some you know reports that came out uh, uh, the last day or so about uh, talks you know potentially being imminent between Derek Carr and the Raiders on a contract extension. I've done my own detective work. I don't get that sense. Uh, I don't think anything substantial is going on just yet. That can change. Uh, but Sam, we've talked about this. There's a lot of different ways to look at this from both perspectives, the Raiders' perspective yeah. and Derek Carr's perspective, in terms of doing a deal or waiting on a deal. And it makes sense. Either approach actually makes sense from the Raiders' perspective, but also from Derek Carr's perspective, including, you know what, I'll just wait a little while uh, before I get serious about that. Um, your, your your thoughts on, on where things might stand in terms of Derek Carr and the Raiders making this an even more long-term relationship. Yeah, well, I think I think we. I mean, we've heard Derek Carr speak publicly about his love for the organization and how much he wants to be here long-term. And I, I don't think he's just saying that to say it. I think um, clearly the Raider organization, the time he spent here, the friendships he's cultivated, and the ups and downs in the field have clearly meant a lot to him. So you know, it's understandable that he wants to continue to remain the franchise quarterback for the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, with that in mind, I think there's pros and cons from each perspective, right? If you if you get the extension done now. Um, from from the Raiders' perspective, you 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 lock it. You lock up Derek Carr, who's coming off the best season of his career. You lock him up before the market resets, and it's going to reset with these extensions that are coming up. You know, like you mentioned on Twitter, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield are all due 
uh, big money, and you can lock Derek Carr up before that, that big money resets what quarterbacks are set to make. Uh, if you're the Raiders, again, you lock him up, you know what you have, and if you're Carr, you lock up the money now, you solidify the next you know, handful of years, and, you, and both, kind of, both kind of sides know where they stand. From the Raiders' perspective, if you wait, right, Derek Carr's an incredibly team-friendly contract right now, making the 14th most uh, or the 14th highest paid quarterback, and that you know when those extensions kick in for those those quarterbacks entering their fourth years, that's sure to go down. He'll be the 16th or 17th highest paid quarterback, and that's good value from the Raiders' perspective for a guy that's you know played at a top eight to top ten level last year, and that allows them to build out the roster a little more, bolster uh, certain units that need some help, and give Derek Carr and a better supporting cast. So from their perspective, waiting makes sense, and it might also make sense. For Derek Carr, too, right? Because if he waits, say he has another Pro Bowl caliber season, the team goes 10 and 7, 11 and 6, and makes the playoffs. If, if he's coming off of a career year like that at, at age 30, after the market resets, he sets himself up for bigger money uh, moving forward. And then, you know, beyond that, uh, if the Raiders opt to, to, to wait and, and don't lock him up now on more of a long term extension and, and he does, and he has kind of a down year or the team, you know, underperforms. You give yourself the flexibility as a team to evaluate the quarterback landscape uh, in 2022 and beyond whether or not that means drafting somebody, you know, moving on, starting over, going out there via trade. You know, the options are plenty. So there's pros and cons for both sides, Vinny, I think, regarding each and every situation and scenario. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this thing shakes out. Again, I think Derek Carr has proven over the course of his career he's durable. Uh, he's accurate. Uh, there's not a throw he can't make. He's mobile, and he's entering the prime of his career at age 30. And and I think, you know, one thing I want to touch on on the podcast, and I'll bring it up here too, you can play at a high level longer than ever at the quarterback position based on some of the rule changes, and, and these guys are taking, you know, not that it's not a physically taxing position. Of course it is, but not as physically taxing as it was in 1985 or 1990 with some of these rule changes and the way that these guys now with modern medicine and nutrition are taking care of themselves. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has just won an MVP at, at 37, played as good as ever. And I'm not saying Derek Carr is Aaron Rodgers, but I do believe he has several good years left uh, beyond 30, 31, 32. He can, he can play at a high level until his late 30s because we're seeing that happen all the time. So there are options of plenty for both sides. And, and, and depending on what perspective you want to take, there's a good argument to be had for, for locking him up now, for waiting for both the Raiders and for Derek Carr. I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. Um, Sam Sam Gordon, and yeah. I want you to tell me the age those players were when they hooked up with John Gruden and did some pretty special things. Sure, Brad Johnson, Super Bowl, thirty four years old. Brad Johnson was was thir- he was he was in his thirties. Uh, won the Super Bowl at thirty four. So ten and three had the best year of his career, uh, and and took John Gruden's Buccaneers to the promised land. Two thousand two, Rich Gannon, Raiders. Rich, John Gruden. Rich Gannon had his best years, Vinny. 34, 35, 36, 37, Right. No question the, about it. Yep. <laughs> Mid to late thirties. Now I. Yes, and I want to interrupt you, my good friend Sam Gordon, because, and we talked about this, and I think it's almost ironic that it might actually work out this way, but, and I started the show off today by talking about how John Gruden was going to go find himself his veteran quarterback, right? And and yeah. Derek Carr, as soon as John Gruden got to, uh, took over the Raiders again for the second time around, 
Goodbye, Derek Carr. John Gruden's going to go get his quarterback, uh, his veteran quarterback, because that's what John Gruden does. Because you just, you just, well, how old was Brad Johnson, Sam? 34. How old was Rich Gannon? 34, 35. Okay. Couldn't you make the argument now that John Gruden's going to get that veteran quarterback and his name's going to be Derek Carr, and he's going to have been completely broken down and redeveloped and produced and coached up by none other than John, John Gruden. And, and all it took was time. But we, we could be on the verge of that actually happening. The, the guy that everyone thought was going to you know, uh, take the first bus out of town could end up in favor of a veteran quarterback for John Gruden, could end up being that veteran quarterback just after a little while of tutelage and development. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I, I'm not ruling it out. I actually think it's probably going to happen. I'm not ruling it out either, Vinny. And I think um, you know, things just take time, right? Guys develop at different, different paces. And that, that, that's not to say Derek, uh, Derek Carr was obviously you know, good, especially in 2016 when he led the Raiders to a 12-4 you know, record and, and won the AFC West. So, but, but, again, coach-quarterback chemistry and those relationships, those take time to develop, oftentimes multiple years. And now, what, this is going to be year four? Between that partnership, and we saw Derek Carr in 2020 have a career year by a number of metrics, best passer rating of his career, best total QBR, uh, career, uh, one of his best years in completion percentage. Not a career high, that was 2019, but a, a really good year in terms of accuracy throwing the football. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as his, you know, his play has improved, as his supporting cast has developed around him. And when you look at you know, 2021, and we talk about Derek Carr emerging as that veteran quarterback that John Gruden wants. Let's take a look at the supporting cast he has around him now. He has Darren Waller in his prime, 28 years old, one of the best, you know, skill position players in football, uncoverable on the outside, right? You have two running backs that have proven both of them can be the workhorse, but now you have them in tandem, and that's going to do wonders, I think, in keeping both guys fresh and making sure that running game is a threat throughout the course of an entire game as opposed to fizzling out in the first half or, or not finding that consistency on the ground early on when teams take away to run. You have a first-round pick in Henry Ruggs, who is primed to take a, a step up in, in year two. And on top of that, you have veterans like Willie Sneed and John Brown who can both get deep and stretch the field. And I haven't even mentioned Brian Edwards yet and Hunter Renfro, who uh, you figure to be a big part of this offense as well. So you have a bona fide number one target. you got two backs. You have a young athletic offensive line. And the pieces are in place for this offense to grow and to continue to improve under Derek Carr as he gets into these veteran years of his career. So, to your point, it's it's absolutely plausible and possible that he's the veteran quarterback and that and that he's that he that his best football is is still in front of him. And, and frankly, like you said, I would expect that because the supporting cast has continued to improve and he's more and more comfortable. Um, you, you would think he's more and more comfortable in John Gruden's system. So things take time. I mean, that, that relationship, I imagine, has grown over the course of the last few years, and we've seen it you know, manifest itself uh, on the field in 2020 with Derek Carr's best year of his career. And I'll tell you this right now. I was there. I, I lived those years. Nobody was talking about Brad Johnson or, or, or Rich Gannon as Super Bowl quarterbacks prior to them you know, uh, hooking up with John Gruden. And, and that's just the fact of the matter. So whatever – uh, Derek Carr has been in his career, whatever success uh, he's had or team success that he's had, it doesn't matter. If you put the right players 
around Derek Carr as he enters, like you said, Sam, the veteran years of his career. He's still only 30 years old. He's younger than Brad Johnson was. He's younger than Rich Gannon was uh, when they had the most success in their career under John Gruden going to Super Bowls, winning a Super Bowl uh, in Brad Johnson's case. So um, just kind of ironic to me that it might work out that way and, and, and John Gruden might actually get that veteran quarterback that he prefers. It'll just be the guy that he helped develop into that veteran quarterback. Yep. You can follow him at Sam at by Sam Gordon. Uh, uh, Sam, you know I always appreciate you stopping by in the huddle. Uh, always appreciate the insight and the knowledge. Uh, uh, keep up the great work over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, and uh, looking forward to all your basketball coverage over these next few days, man. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate it, Vinny. Anytime. Talk soon. You got it. That's Sam Gordon. From the Las Vegas Review Journal, being on top of everything that he's on top of, uh, the dude is really, really good. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Now that you think about it, and how this all might end up playing out, by the way, you're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Give us a call um, if you want to chime in on the Raiders and Derek Carr potentially beginning talks on a new contract uh, extension. I don't think anything sub- of substance is happening um, right now, and I don't think it's necessarily imminent. I do think when it all shakes out, Derek Carr um, ends up re-upping with the Raiders. I want your thoughts, 702-365-9200. There's plenty of reasons for both sides to take care of it ASAP or just hold off. And I don't think there's um, necessarily a right or wrong way to do it. I think that the Raiders are in a pretty good position right now to continue to build around Derek Carr, who, as we speak, is heading into the last two years of his contract. It's a total of $42 million, uh, I think it is, roughly, for both, you know, for the for uh, the two years total, so twenty one million, twenty one million, that type of thing, which is under market, and it allows the Raiders to be able to easier build around them. That isn't always the case when you start talking about quarterbacks that are making thirty five million dollars, north of thirty million dollars, and there's a few of those guys out there, plenty of them. You have to be a little bit more creative. You have to be a little bit more um, finding gems under the under the rocks. You have to, you know, um, hit on some some signings that didn't bust the bank. You have to you have to shop down a different aisle sometimes. And it's not that it's not doable at all. Teams have proven it all the time. But it's just a lot easier when your quarterback isn't making, you know. 30-some-odd million dollars or, or eating up so much of your salary cap. It just makes things easier. So from the Raiders' perspective, it might make sense to wait a little while longer, maybe another year, uh, try to continue to, to build around a, a, an under-market quarterback, paid quarterback. It also makes a little bit of sense for Derek Carr. If I'm Derek Carr, I might just bet on myself and say, you know what, I'm still young. Look at – um, how much longer quarterbacks are playing at a high level. There's plenty of examples. I can wait till I'm 31, 32 years old and see where the market is at that point, put a few more million dollars in my pocket along the way. Oh, by the way, uh, for those 
two previous years, 2021, 2022, be able to, you know, my team's going to be able to be in a better position to build a better team. I'll bet on myself and say, you know what, let's check back in 2022 and see where the market is and come to some sort of an agreement. But what's ironic to me is how Derek Carr was the first guy that was supposed to be sent out of town because John Gruden was going to go get his veteran quarterback because he prefers veteran quarterbacks. KG savvy veteran quarterbacks. That's what John Gruden was all about. He might end up with that savvy KG veteran quarterback. It just might be Derek Carr after putting a bunch of time into develop him, developing him even further. Derek Carr was a good quarterback when John Gruden showed up. But he has a chance to be even better, and he's getting better. That's the thing. He continues to get better. A lot of it is himself growing as a quarterback, but also just putting a better team around him, especially offensively. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bonner.